you know, last week's podcast was kind of an impromptu um, tangent. I just uh, really went into that recording and um, was intending to talk about uh, the fear of man. And literally, almost from the get-go, I just felt yanked in a different direction by the Holy Spirit. And so um, it was a bit of an unscripted, uh, I don't know, 35-minute exhortation, a strong exhortation for the listener to really just consider his or her heart. And um, every now and then, I just like to operate in that gift. I like to operate in the gift of exhortation. And that's not a word we really use a whole lot uh, in outside of Christian context. But I like to, it's it's a charge. It's a, it's um, an amplifying of something to the listener. And it, it really calls to a course of action. That's probably my primary temperament in ministry is just calling people to a course of action. Um, I don't, I don't know about you, man. I, I just have never been enamored with sitting around and discussing stuff in hypothetical or theoretical context. I'm, I'm, I'm an action person and, and some of you are too. It's like, I don't mind. I mean, I love theology. I love teaching. I love studying. I, I do all of that. I've done it for years. My whole ministry has been based on you know, unpacking truth, but not for the sake of unpacking truth, not just for the sim- simple sake of, of people knowing, oh, yes, that is true or that is false or this is proper and this is improper or, you know, that is solid doctrine and that is shaky doctrine. I, you know, it's just the, the goal is not for us to know. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to be, as Christians, interacting with Jesus Christ. So there is a filling and from the filling, there is to be a flowing. And a lot of people, you know, they've got a dam built up before the flowing. The flowing doesn't happen. And so they're constantly living to be filled, 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 filled. And that is not why we're here on earth. We are not here to just be filled. The whole concept of the Christian life is to be overflowing. And my definition of, of overflowing is that which is constantly fill, filled, but always flowing. Now, in other words... If you're overflowing, you're always filled. You can't be overflowing if you're not filled. Because if if you're not filled, whatever comes in just fills. But if you're staying filled, you will be flowing. And so um, all I've had to say is like last week's episode of Mavericks and Misfits was uh, just straight up calling you to flow, calling you to overflow, calling you to do something with all that's been granted to you through the merits of Jesus, through his blood through his sacrifice, through his resurrection. I mean, good night. We have God, the spirit. We have, listen, listen to me. We have the God of the Bible living inside of us. Not a slice of God, not something from God, not just like a a little, you know, whammy or a zap from God. No, you have God living in you and the whole of the Christian life is to cooperate with the God living in you so he flows out from you. And as he flows out from you, your life becomes a vessel of glory. And I'd love to see a big shift in the church that values the authority of Scripture like I do, I, and you do too. If you're listening to Mavericks and Misfits, you, you, you on some level are seeking to value more deeply the authority of Scripture. But if all we do, man, is just value scripture. I want to see a shift in the church that says, because we value scripture, we see the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
And so I challenge you, especially those of you that are more given to the authority of the word. You're more rational. You're more objective. You're more thinking. What, uh, what are you doing with everything you know? It's a valid question. I mean, it's actually a question. It's not an accusation. It's not an assumption that you're not doing anything. It's an actually valid question. What are you doing or what is God doing with everything he's put inside of you? Because if there's no outflow, then you're not doing Christianity right. <laughs> you're, not, you're not yet done cooperating with Jesus. Because he doesn't, it, you know, you know the phrase, oh, I accepted Jesus as my own personal Lord and Savior. I get what we're saying with that, but the personal salvation that you received individually, you got saved, you and God, that was it. Nobody helped. Nobody could add anything. Like in the sense of the moment of your justification, it was you repenting of your sin, recognizing that as a sinner, you needed a rescuer and recognizing that a damned and defeated and dead sinner cannot save herself, cannot save himself. So in that moment, you cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. I have no other help. I have no other hope. And when you were saved, yes, it was a personal moment, but it doesn't stay that way because everybody that God saves personally, he shares communally. He shares our lives. And so there's got to be that outflow. And so uh, that was like a five minute just kind of, hey, go back and check out the last episode if you didn't hear it and do something with it. Like do something with every message you hear that is based in word and spirit. Do something with it. Like you may not need another conference. You may not need to join another Bible study. You may not need yet another podcast. Maybe just get alone with God and say, God, what am I doing with what you've already poured into me? Like, how am I responding to the truth I already know? And uh, like, I just challenge you to do that. Like just do an inventory. I do it all the time, man. I look at my life constantly and I'm like, what am I doing with what I know? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And so the more I know, the more accountable I am. And I listen, this is just a statement of truth because I've made it my aim. I know a lot of stuff in the kingdom. It doesn't make me smarter than anybody. It doesn't make me more spiritual than anybody. I just know a lot of stuff pertaining to the kingdom of God because I've made that my life's aim. And that means my accountability to God. I, I get nervous even thinking about this. My accountability to God is higher than the average Christian because the average Christian doesn't have necessarily the mandate on their life to study the scripture, to know the scripture, to fast and to pray, to listen to the Lord. I have that mandate on my life simply because I'm called. That's why we read in scripture, James said, don't many of you desire to be teachers for yours is the stricter judgment. So a teaching and a preaching and a leading position in the kingdom brings with it a higher accountability. But that's me. What about you? You may not be a teacher or a preacher or any of that stuff, but you are accountable for what you know. And so do something with it, okay? Just ask the Lord, Lord, show me what to do with what I know. So today, I, I, I really do want to revisit what I intended to talk about in the last episode and never got to. And so I want to spend about 20 minutes talking to you about something that probably affects your life on some level. And it's this thing we call the fear of man. And the fear of man is just, you know, we use the masculine term man, even in the midst of a generation that is really upset and confused about pronouns. Y'all just going to give me a free pass on this. I'm talking about the fear of man in the sense of man representing humanity. And so when, when we think of the fear of people, like the, primarily we see that in our culture in the fear of what people think and say about us, 
how they view us. Do they accept us? Do they affirm us? Do they oppose us? Do they reject us? Do they posture themselves in an, um, an enemy status towards us? You know, we, we think a lot about people. Um, and in one sense, we should regard what people think about us because our lives are not really our own. They're a reflection of the one who we say has saved us. So as your life as a Christian is a reflection of Jesus, you should care how people view you. But caring what they think versus being controlled by what they think are two different worlds. And what I want to talk about is like, is it possible right now you're living under the fear of man? Are you determining your life in order to secure a positive opinion of yourself with others? Like, are you actually being the person that God has called you to be? Are you being something different than the person that God has called you to be? Because you want to make sure people like you. You want to make sure people get you. You want to make sure people accept you. And when we enter into that kind of, um, you know, mentality and approach to the Christian life, we become prisoners. And, you know, Galatians 5 tells us that Jesus Christ set us free so that we would be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's Galatians 5.1. And <laughs> not all Christians are free. Like, I want to be free, man. That's like my greatest value. I did a bunch of whole, you know, spiritual inventories and psychoanalytical tests a long time ago um, within a Christian uh, group that really helps people identify how God has wired them and what, what their priorities are and so on and so on. And at the end of these evaluations, um, the people that gave the diagnostics, the tests concluded that above everything, the virtue that I treasure the most is freedom. And so that drives me that we are to be free. And so part of being free is you got to get free from people. And a lot of, a lot of Christians just don't know how to do it. A lot of Christians either cave under the expectations of people. And then you've got the opposite end of this spectrum where there's another group of Christians that are almost obnoxious in their defiance and their seek to declare, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. So they become almost hostile to people and unrelatable. So I'm going to give you a couple of verses from Isaiah 51, and this is not going to solve all issues of this uh, pandemic of fear of man in the church, but it might help you. You know, I'm not, I'm not really trying to solve a global problem. I'm, this podcast is mainly meant to, you know, just be a vehicle through which Holy Spirit speaks to you individually as a listener. Um, we don't have Mavericks and Misfit, Misfits conferences. We, we, we don't even have a building to meet in. We know a bunch of you are listening, but um, this, this really is a one-on-one -on -one podcast. It gives me a chance to speak to the individual. And so just let's just pretend we're in a room together, me and you. And Isaiah 51 is, is a verse I want to read you. This is God speaking. And in Isaiah 51, verse 7, he says, Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. And here's what he wants you to hear. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever and my salvation 
to all generations. Now, I'm just reading verses 7 and 8 from Isaiah 51. I don't, I don't have to go into a big, long um, exegetical moment here and break down everything. These, these are very straightforward words. So God is speaking. He's speaking to ancient Israel, but he describes them as the people who know righteousness and the people in whose heart is his law. So that can be applied to us. You know, we, we have the very righteousness of God. It's not just that we know about it. We have it for we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we have been made righteous. Clearly the law of God, his whole very nature is written upon our hearts because we have God living inside of us. And so these words are for us. And the first thing he says is listen to me. So he grabs our attention. He demands we, we hear him. He's saying, I need your ear. I need your listening. I need your willingness to bend your ear to what I'm saying. And the next thing, the first thing he says is, I don't want you to be afraid of man's reproach. And when we, we, reproach is not a very common word outside of, you know, you know, the Christian context, but simply it means I don't want you to be afraid of people's negative potential views of you. I don't want you to be afraid when they revile you. So you've got this, he says, don't be afraid of their reproach or dismayed at their reviling. So what is he saying here? He's saying, don't live your life in order to gain favor with people. Don't live your life in fear of not having that favor. Don't live your life with any level of anxiety about what people think about you. Now, he's going to tell you why in a moment, but the first thing is the command. The command arrests our attention because it's hitting a lot of people right now, right where you live. Like you're afraid of what people say about you. You know, the younger you are typically, it doesn't mean it's only a young person's disease, but the younger you are, the more there is this presumed pressure for you to be acceptable to your peer group or your generation. And so therefore, in our young years, we tend to, as we're, as we're trying to rest in the identity that God's given us, we, we tend to compromise that or be at least susceptible to compromising who God says that we are. Because when you start finding out who God says you are, you will, guess what? You'll become a misfit. Dun, da, da, dun. There's part of the title of this podcast. You'll become a misfit. Because when a person learns who he or she is and they begin to live that out, they're living out who God says they are and what God wants them to do with their life, it's not going to fit in with the vast majority of the presentation of life in the American culture. It's just not. And so the, the temptation, the struggle is, you know, a lot of Christians are trying to fit in both worlds. They do, in their heart of hearts, want what God says over them to become reality. They really want to know who God is. They really want to do what God says. They, they really want to know who God says they are. They want to give themselves to it. But there's this pull of the opinion of people. It can be anything from you know what you're doing, how much money you have, what car you drive, what job you take. Um, it can be about your physical appearance. It can be about your personality. Um, and these pressures on 20-somethings and 30-somethings is like real. It's very real. I'm not unsympathetic to it, but I'm just pointing you back to what God says. He says, stop fearing man's reproach. Stop fearing when people just don't have a high value of you. Stop, stop living for people to like you. Can I say it that plainly? 
Don't be afraid of what it might mean that everybody doesn't think you're awesome. It's okay. Because nobody thinks everybody is awesome. There's not a single person of whom every, everybody around them thinks they're awesome. It just doesn't exist. No matter who you are, somebody's not going to like you. Somebody's not going to value you. Somebody's not going to rah-rah and applaud you. You just got to get over that. You got you to figure out who you are. You got to figure out what God wants you to do with this beautiful life that he's given you. And you got to quit worrying about what people say about it as you live it out. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. You belong to the Lord. So you're actually allowed to have your Holy Spirit cultivated views. You're actually allowed to ha hold opinions that maybe don't go with the status quo. You're actually allowed to state your, your own opinion, even when people don't like it. And the pressure to be accepted, especially in a culture that is anti-Christ. I mean, we live in a culture that's anti-Christ. So you got a bunch of Christians that are now just fearing cancel culture. Now, cancel culture has, has been in our society for, for years and years now. But it's in the church now. Like, there's pastors that won't stand on the Word of God anymore because they don't want to get canceled. <laughs> that, I mean, can you imagine that? Like, get out of ministry. Get out of ministry if you are in, in bondage to the fear of man. We don't need that right now. We need pioneers. We need prophetic, apostolic, bold leaders. And even if you're not prophetic or apostolic or bold in your temperament or your calling, we need people that are people of character, people that are steadfast, people that are faithful, people that aren't ashamed of the gospel or any part of the Bible, not just the plan of salvation gospel, but the, the entire good news of what is written in the scriptures. And so God says, we, he doesn't even ask. He says, stop fearing the reproach of man. And then he adds the second part, don't be, a, don't be dismayed at their revilings. What is that? That means, hey, make up your mind ahead of time. Not everybody's going to like you. Make up your, your mind ahead of time. You're not going to be the super person that everybody thinks is awesome. And if you're living to be like that, then you're compromising at some point. You're going to be, end up compromising who, who you really are. And so what the Lord says is, yeah, expect them to revile you. That's a strong word. Re to be reviled is to be mocked. It's to be verbally resisted. It's to be shouted down. It's to be verbally intimidated. It's possibly to be lied about, to be slandered. That people are going to talk negative about you when you make up your mind that you're going to walk in the truth and walk in the spirit and be the person that God's called you to be, which by the way, is your inheritance. You get to be who God has made you to be. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that you get to be who God has made you to be. And as you are being the person that God has made you to be, that doesn't mean you're entitled to be unaccountable. It doesn't mean that you, you don't have to you know, operate within the structure of both civic authority and church authority and family authority. It doesn't mean you can cast off all restraint. It just means this, within the context that God has established and God has established uh, authority structures in, in the kingdom. You have them in your home. You have them in the civic realm or the cultural realm. You know the government. We we have to we have to obey government until they make us you know disobey God, and then we disobey government. But also within the church, like people hate this, but God has set up authority in the church, and so within the context of coming up under God ordained authority, you get to be who you call you're called to be, and people are going to revile you. Not everybody's going to love it. They're gonna they're going to say stuff about you, and God says, don't be dismayed at that. Don't be upset about that. Don't be anxious about that. You need to make up your mind ahead of time. That's part of the package. You know, we, we live with this unspoken assumption that if we do the right thing and we honor God in all ways, that everything's going to go our way. 
wrong. Read your Bible. <laughs> it is replete with people that did things God's way and it did not outwardly uh, benefit them. It actually cost them. And God says, yeah, don't be dismayed at that. And then he tells you why. <laughs> verse eight is pretty cool. I'm back in Isaiah 51. So it's Isaiah 51 verse seven tells you, hey, don't live for the opinions of others. Don't live to please people. Don't be afraid when they don't like you. It's okay. And God says, here's why I'm telling you not to do it. Verse eight, he says, the moth will eat them up like a garment. The worm will eat them like wool. Okay, just stop right there. God says, the people that oppose you when you're walking in my will are worm food. <laughs> they, are, they are going to end up looking like a moth-eaten garment. Now, that's not gentle and sweet and, you know, it's, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, there's some... There, Golly, sorry, I'm, I'm so tempted to run a tangent here. Um, so, some people in the kingdom just need to grow up. It's pathetic that people cry foul. Oh, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. Well, listen, if, if somebody's being sinful and hurts our feelings, we ought to address it. But man, everybody around you, for the most part, is pre-bruised. Everybody's walking around with a bruise and somebody brushes up against them and they're crying as if it's agony. And it's just, it's just silly. That's the generation, man. I, I, I tell you, God, y'all pray for me because I have almost zero tolerance for whiny Christians. I don't. I mean, that's just, I'm, I'm much more apostolic and prophetic than I am pastoral. And as a pastor, I've learned over the years that, you know, how to minister to people that are truly, you know, hurt and bruised and all of that. You know, you don't want to break a bruised reed. Jesus said that. But in the same sense, we don't want to perpetuate and endorse people for being constantly in their own minds, the victim of everybody else. You're not that important. You're not that important. If you think everybody is against you and you're the constant victim, anybody that's walking around all the time and their normal current of conversation portrays them as the victim and the helpless person and everybody's against me, they don't need a hug from you. They need a rebuke. They need a rebuke because it can't be. They're not important enough for everybody to be against them. That is a victim mentality. It's a passive-aggressive way of them being unaccountable for living a victorious, triumphant Christian life. And so, man, what it's, it's, it's antithetical to the gospel for people to walk around pitiful, pathetic, self-pitying and wanting pity from you all the time because everybody's done them wrong. No, they don't need your, your sympathy. They've gotten so much of that and it hadn't helped them. They need a rebuke. Tell them, hey, you're not actually not that important to where everybody's against you. You may have some opposition, but in the name of Jesus, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and start taking ownership of your life and quit blaming people. Because why? Because God says when we walk in his counsel, when we are in his righteousness, when his law is written in his heart, then those who oppose us, and if they stay in that opposition, if you're walking in the will of God and somebody is opposing you, they're actually opposing the will of God in your life. Now get that. Let God defend you. Like So, so straight up here, listen to me. If somebody is reviling you, if somebody is reproaching you, if somebody's coming hard after you and you're staying humble and you're walking in the spirit and you're not compromised with duplicity in your life and secret sin and hidden strongholds that you're, you're protecting. No, I'm talking about people that are walking in spiritual integrity and walking in the spirit and walking for the glory of God. When I say walking, I'm talking about living. You should have the confidence, if that describes you, that anybody that opposes you is opposing the will of God in your life so you don't fret. That's what God's saying. He's saying, oh, look, 
They're going to be like food for the worms. That's what he actually says in his Bible. It's an unpleasant thought. But God is saying, I'm going to take care of those who oppose my will in your life. That's a beautiful thing, man. That should rest us. Like we should just be resting in that. He says, a moth's going to eat them up like a garment. And a worm will eat them like wool. But then he says this, but my righteousness, I'm back in Isaiah 51, my righteousness will be forever and my salvation to all generations. So that's what God says. God says, hey, child, look me in the eye. My child, the one for whom my son died and rose, the one who is justified. Look, look at me, my child. Listen, listen, I justified you. I accepted you. I forgave you because of what my son did for you. Therefore, because you have repented and trusted him, I have cleared your name with me. You are acceptable to me based on the merits of my son. As I accept my son, Jesus, I have accepted you. And that is full-blown acceptance, nothing in between. And you're mine, and I love you. And I'm going to take care of you. And I want you to get so serious about falling in love with me that you become free from the fear of other people's opinions. Because my righteousness is going to be forever. Meaning this, part of God's righteousness is his declaration. God can't declare anything that isn't righteous. And so when he has declared over you, his child, that you are accepted in the beloved, you are complete in Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to you, when he says he has created you unto good works, when he says that he, if you will call unto him, he'll show you great and mighty things that you've never known. When he says that before I, he formed you, he knew you in the womb. That means you were an intentional expression of the heart of God before you were ever born. He simply took that thought, that expression, that intention he had, and he wrapped you. He wrapped that purpose in human DNA and you are the expression of something God wanted to say and do in the earth. That is your identity. That's your significance. That's your value. And when you can come into contact with that, that I am a living expression of the desire of God's heart in some way, my life is to be an expression of what God wanted to release into this world, in this generation. When you start believing that, when people oppose you and they mock you and they slander you and they talk, by the way, I've gone through that plenty of times in my Christian life. So I'm not sitting up in some ivory palace. Like I've just, I'm, I'm probably still in a season where people are just running their mouths about me and there's really nothing I can do about it. And, and, and you just get to a place where you're like, okay, God, take care of it. I've got, I've got to be who you've called me to be and do what you've called me to do. And you're going to have to deal with my opposition for me. Some of y'all just need to hit that. You just need to get to that place where you're like, okay, all right. I'm never going to convince everybody that I'm awesome. <laughs> you, listen, in our heart of hearts, let's just say when we're, we're, we're walking in a weakness of the flesh, there's something within us that wishes everybody would understand us and like us and affirm us. That's just a part of being human. The problem is, is that's never going to be the reality. So why do you even want to live for it? Why would you live trying to convince somebody that you are valued or valuable to God? Why, why would you care what people that really, they don't even like you. Why do you care what they think? What, uh, listen, a culture that does not value the followers of Jesus 
Why do we care what they think in the sense of being controlled by it? Like the culture, the culture of the spirit of the age will not be redeemed. We're not going to come into agreement with the spirit of the age and therefore find a peaceable handshake with the spirit of the age. No, the spirit of God will consume the spirit of the age. And if we're not walking in the spirit, the spirit of the age will consume us. That's why cancel cultures in the church. That's why um, all of the stuff that is happening in the hostility and the political divide and the racial stuff. And I mean, it's crazy out there. I mean, it's just nuts. And it's starting to get its way in the church because everybody is starting to take their cues from the culture. Stop that. My goodness. Get in the word of God. Get in a church that preaches the word of God. Connect your life meaningfully with people that are pursuing the glory of God before Jesus comes again. And let the people who don't applaud you, let them get on with their life. And if they are truly opposing you and resisting you and persecuting you for righteousness sake, Jesus said, happy are you when they do that. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when you are reviled and persecuted for my name's sake. Jesus said that. So instead of us sucking our thumb and whining and crying and getting you know flowers sent to us all the time, why don't we just say, oh yeah, this is part of the deal. When you live out your God-given identity, when you are militantly committed to the purposes of God through your life, some people won't like you. And God says, yeah, don't fear that. Stop being afraid of what people think. Stop being afraid of what people say. Guys, I'll just give you this. Most of the time, people that are really like consumed with what people are thinking or saying about them, somebody needs to tell those people that you're actually not that important to where everybody's thinking about you at the level you think they are. It's a humbling thing. I mean, it really is. It's just like, man, people actually have other stuff going on. They're actually not consumed with you. When you walk into a room, not everybody's analyzing you. When you leave the room, not anybody's, I mean, they're just not all sitting together. As soon as you walk out, they're all talking about you every time you leave a room. And you know what? If, if you're ladies, if you're not a 10, it's okay. If you're not a size two, it's okay. Guys, if you're not driving a new car or living in a new house or making a lot of coin, if you're not, it's okay. If you're not tall, dark, and handsome, by the way, I preach this to myself. I am not tall, dark, and handsome. It's okay. Because God made you wonderfully and fearfully, made you the way he wanted to make you. And you're not to take your identity in people's affirmation of your looks, their applause of your net worth, nor the attainments or accomplishments. By the way, some of you don't feel worthy because you don't have a platform in ministry. Crucify that in you. Crucify that. There's coming a day where there ain't going to be a platform in ministry. We're all going underground. It's coming. And so there won't be any platforms. There won't be any Instagram. There won't be any TikTok videos. There's not going to be any Facebook posts. It's all going to go underground for the Christians. So if you're addicted to the need to have a platform, guys, that's, that's just another expression of the fear of man. You want man's approval. That's not ministry. And so I'll give you this, and it's time to go because my time's up. But uh, 
it's a it's a famous verse about the fear of man. You ought to memorize it. It's Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, and it says, "The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: The fear of man is a snare, or lays a snare, and whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. In other words, a snare is a trap. The fear of man will trap you. Ain't nobody listening wants to be caught in a trap. But if you fear man and it's controlling your life, you're already in that cage. And Jesus came to liberate you. And it says that whoever is trusting in the Lord is the one who is safe. Your security is in the Lord. Your security is in what he says about you. Your security is in his approval. Your security is, he, he doesn't just clinically approve you. He's not like a, you know, an inspector with a, check, uh, a clipboard and a checklist. It's not that kind of approval. He's a father that delights in his kids. It doesn't mean he loves everything we do because you know a good father won't just unilaterally say everything you do is good, but he loves us. And he's working on some of the things that we do. And one of the reasons for today's uh, podcast is this. He's working on you to say, hey, I really want you all to myself. I really want you to be completely consumed with what I say about you, with what I think about you, with how I've affirmed you, with what I did to bring you to myself and providing the death and burial and resurrection of my son. Like if that doesn't convince you that God has value for you, um, then you haven't understood the gospel yet. And so, whereas we would like it, if everybody was in our corner, they're not going to be. And so you got to decide what are you going to do about that? Get free, get out of the cage, get out of the snare. And the fear of man won't be controlling your life anymore. Start pounding in the nails. Some of you are having an assignment on your life that before you ever step into it, you're going to have to get free of the fear of man. God can't usher some people into their assignments until he knows he can trust them not to, not to cater to the fear of man. Like what's coming is so important. He's got to have our utmost loyalty and the fear of man always undermines our loyalty to God. Hey, my time's gone. I want to encourage you to um, check out the Umbrella Ministry website, transformingtruth.org. Transformingtruth.org. There you can find links not only to the podcast, but you can also find social media links, uh, full-length sermons and stuff that I preach, and lots of resources. I write once a month in a blog there, and uh, there's just some good stuff there. And so all of that stuff is free, always. Uh, We never really seek to raise money on Mavericks and Misfits. It costs a lot of money to get this podcast where it goes. Um, but we, we really just trust that God will bless Transforming Truth. Transforming Truth can fund the podcast. Um, what you can do to help us is uh, you can rate and review. Uh, that's all I ask. Um, and I do that every now and then. Just say, hey, give us a review on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Let people know about the podcast. Um, you, you can even share it on social media. Like the links to the podcast are on maverickmisfit.com. So if you're on Facebook, just share maverickmisfit.com post. Encourage people to listen. And uh, listen, I want to just say this, um, get bold. Bold is not personality. There is a certain bold personality, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, if you're convinced about kingdom truth, be bold with it. That just means be proactive. Don't apologize. And, you know, we're coming to a time where you're just going to have to tell people what's up. People need to hear what's up. If they reject you, that's not on you. At least they've had a chance to reject the truth. So let's be bold, loving, fiery witnesses at the end of the age. And let's continue to do what we do as we continue to be who we are. We'll see you. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, 
please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode. 